All right, welcome to the first episode of Run Past the Brain Cell. I'm Adam Skirko, joined with Jake Miller. How you doing today, Adam? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, definitely ready for football to start. Uh, I, think, I think most people in America are ready for it to start. Yeah, the one downside to the cool weather is football starting up, and definitely going to be a fun, fun game to open things up. You got... You know, Super Bowl champs, Kansas City Chiefs, dropping their banner against a team with some high, high expectations in the Detroit Lions. Who'd have thought Detroit would have high hopes? Yeah, and actually, as a Packers fan, actually seeing the the Lions, as most people are saying, are going to be winning the division is oddly weird. And Lions fans actually have something they haven't felt in probably 50, 60 years. And that is actual hope. Yeah, not since Barry Sanders uh, retired. And, well, I guess uh, not since Calvin Johnson decided, screw you guys, uh, you guys suck, uh, I can't win with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, after uh, Stafford was traded and they traded Goff, no one really expected much from them. Uh, and especially with Dan Campbell, but... I mean, the guy, the guy's amazing. He's gold. He, he's a hell of a motivator. Um, most people thought it was silly with biting kneecaps, but he's shown that not only can he put together a physical team, but they're not just, you know, someone to write off. They, they can definitely put up points as we saw last year. Now the defense is definitely rough, but I think upgrades of you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Cam Sutton, that's not nothing. Oh, agree. Their defense is, I think, still going to have some rough patches, but I think with Aiden Hutchinson coming into year two and the addition of a true Mike linebacker in their system with additional, like you said, Cam Sutton and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you have a true one-two punch at safety. Your cornerbacks have been reformed. And you have a legit starting linebacker besides Alex Anzalone. Absolutely. I th- most people definitely were scratching their heads with uh, a pick like Jack Campbell and also Jameer Gibbs. Most people uh, didn't expect that. I most certainly didn't. I remember when I saw that uh, pick, I was like, there was another running back other than Bijan Robinson that people were looking at in the first round? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and reports have actually shown that they actually would have picked Gibbs over Bijan at the sixth overall pick if they didn't trade down. Which, depending on how you view Jameer, you could make an argument why you take him over Bijan. If you're going to use Jameer as like your wide receiver two or more of a slot, kind of like taking the CMC role, but I'll hype it up just a tad bit. I could see why you would pick Gibbs over Bijan, but that is only one facet with a running back. Bijan's better at everything else in the terms of being a running back. The only thing Jameer has is his catching ability in the passing game. Yeah, and they've been saying in camp and in practice that they're going to try and use him in ways you can't even imagine. Now... Does that mean he's going to be snapping the ball? Or what are we talking about here? 
But to be honest, I think what we'll see is I think we're going to see a lot of him in motion. I definitely could see them getting a little creative as well. Maybe some wildcat. But are we sure that he's going to be able to run that effectively? I don't know. But that's what makes this first game really fun. Agreed. And Jameer Gibbs is one of those type of special, and I'm going to say special player. I'm not going to throw the term generational on him. The only generational player, I think, in this draft would probably be Bijan and maybe Will Anderson. Those are like the two only players from the 2023 draft class that you could have a generational tag on. But that tag is thrown around way too much in the media nowadays. So, and I still don't like it. I'd say unique is what those two are and then Jameer is different than most backs I think is the best way to put it but Detroit as a whole their defense is reformed as long as Goff can play within structure he looks like almost a top 10 quarterback so as long as the pocket doesn't collapse he'll be fine and with Chris Jones potentially missing this game amid a contract dispute I think that is going to be a massive loss since that Lions front is quite stout. Penny Sewell is fantastic. And I could definitely see a potential upset. Looking at the point spread, Kansas City Chiefs are six and a half point favorites, which I can understand why because it is their banner game. But I feel like almost a touchdown could be a little disrespectful considering where the Detroit Lions left off last year. And with the fact that it seems they've upgraded only. Yeah, the only thing you would have to worry about is a sophomore slump from Aiden Hutchinson, but he kind of made the jump to being a damn near elite pass rusher by the end of last season. And all I've heard coming out from camp, out of Lions camp and Lions media is that he is continuing to get better and better. I think the kid is going to hit double-digit sacks, probably going to cap out at 13 or 14, unless the coverage is godly. And that's one thing that Detroit fans aren't familiar with is a competent secondary. Pass rush and linebacker play, they're used to that. But secondary being good, they haven't seen that in a hot minute since Darius Slay, probably. Yeah, and big play Slay, killing it still in Philadelphia, and they did bring him back. But... I want to focus a little bit more on Chris Jones because he is sitting out and there's a chance that we might not see him till week eight. I mean, what what do you do if you're the Kansas City Chiefs? Because he wins, his win rate, if I remember right, was higher than anyone last year. Mm-hmm. You are correct. And I remember looking at a little bit of a infographic about what the pass rush with Kansas City looked with Chris Jones on the field and without Chris Jones on the field. With Chris Jones, their interior pocket presence from their DTs was 35th, was a 35 percentile in the entire league, which was number one last year. When he wasn't on the field, it fell to 28th, which ironically was 28th in the league. So there is a massive difference from that interior pressure. And we all know quarterbacks can easily deal with a pass rusher on the outside that you got to step out of step into into the pocket a little more or escape outside but interior pass rush is what they really hate it disrupts their motions so much because they're going to be right in their face and not on the edge 
and you need and when it comes to the quickest route to the quarterback it is right up the middle and that's why chris jones he is a monster there's only one other person that can do what he does and it's aaron donald and you think about how much chris jones is being paid uh it's significantly different He's getting paid on average 20 mil right now per year, and he's looking to be right around Aaron Donald's pay range, if not a tad below it at 30 mil a year. But Aaron Donald is getting paid 31.667 mil a year, so you're talking about $11.67 million separating the number one and the number two defensive tackles in the league. And you had all the defensive tackles in the offseason get paid. Now most DTs are getting paid 22 to 26 mil. Yeah, and there's a potential report. Uh, now, I don't know how much this is corroborated, but it is rumored that they are looking at a two-year fully guaranteed extension. Um, Chris is wanting $64 million, 32 a year. Um, but the Chiefs are only willing to pay him uh, $54.5 mil a year. So that's, that's a big difference. And... With a guy who had 15 and a half sacks last year, I mean, George Karloftis was the next best, and he had six. And so, he was a rookie. So the significant drop-off of that, I, I don't see how you don't pay Chris Jones. And especially if he misses this opening game, you really have to worry about the lack of pressure that you will get because as we were talking about, Jared Goff in a clean pocket, he's pretty damn hard to beat. Exactly. And without that interior pass rusher that really Chris Jones is, you really only have Derek Naughty and Tayshawn or Tershawn Wharton, and they are not pass rushers. Naughty has some pass rush to his game, but nowhere near what Chris Jones does. So you're losing your Batman and going with like a Robin and a... Uh, probably a Alfred at your defensive tackle positions. Yeah, and you really need, you need both of those guys because mm -hmm. Chris Jones not only can get to the quarterback, but he opens everything up for everyone because you have to assign two guys to him. So then that opens it up for a Derek Naughty. It opens it up for a George Karloftis. You need that guy to set the table for everyone else on your D line and without Chris Jones, can they win? Can they win without him? Because then you're getting into a lot of shootouts and believe me, Patrick Mahomes, he's the best quarterback, but he can only do that for so long. You're asking a guy to basically score 40 points potentially every single game. And after a while, yeah, that's going to weigh on you. And kind of, you're mentioning a shootout in the 40 plus points kind of comes back to when it was Jared Goff with the Rams and the Chiefs. I was a Monday night game. If I remember right, I yep, could be wrong on that. And the final score is 45 42 and the Chiefs ended up losing that because lo and behold, Aaron Donald, a defensive tackle pushing the pocket. Yeah, and not to mention, if I remember, I believe Mahomes had three interceptions in that game. Definitely not something that you see from him usually, but that's what happens with significant pass rushing. 
Now, also a big storyline heading into this. Uh, last minute Travis Kelsey injury. He hyperextended his knee in practice. And it's definitely going to make him touch and go for this. Now, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. But what allows him to be Patrick Mahomes is Travis Kelsey. He's the best tight end easily in the National Football League. And some people consider him to be the best tight end of all time. And it's because he always finds a way to get open. And Jake, I'm going to be honest, losing him potentially for this game, that's significant since then you have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you have Sky Moore. Uh, I believe you have Rasheed Rice, but he's a rookie. I don't expect too, too much from him. It really limits your pass catchers i mean you have isaiah pacheco i think jarek mckinnon's still around too and he he can catch pretty much anything it seems like but <laughs> he's the budget cmc at this point yeah but not having travis kelsey that definitely i think affects this and if i was a betting man i would lean more towards the lions and taking the points because if kelsey does not play if he can't play then that lets you play potentially a bit more man coverage. Now, I wouldn't recommend man coverage against Mahomes, but it at least gives you that option rather than having to play only zone and keep everything in front of you. And the problem is with zone and Travis Kelsey, he is the best tight end in the league at reading zone and knowing how to beat it. That's why if you ever see a man zone construct against the Chiefs when Kelsey's on the field, you have either somebody, you either have one or two people on man coverage handling Kelsey, still can't cover him, and then everybody else is playing zone coverage. Because the only true target you have to worry about is Kelsey in that offense in the past game. Now, Rasheed Rice, young guy, we don't know what he is. He's looked phenomenal. But Kelsey opens up that type of field where it allows other receivers to be great. It's Chris Jones, but on the offense. And taking away your safety valve at tight end and an extremely dynamic player at tight end because of injury, I don't like their chances. Now, you are right. Mahomes is Mahomes. He pulls a rabbit out of his ass every damn week, I swear. But I'm just worried that without his best target, things could go wrong. Now, I actually have a question for you. I actually want Kelsey to play this because I want to see how Campbell, their first-round pick linebacker, does against him. Because I'm assuming if they're going to be in a man-zone construct, Campbell is probably going to be, step-for-step, be the one in coverage on Kelsey majority of the game. What do you think? Well, I think you're right. Uh, You draft a guy like Jack Campbell because of his measurables. I mean, he's 6'5", little over 240. And I think with that, and he also ran four six five. that's what you draft a guy like this for as a coverage guy. I mean, he was a Buckkiss award winner last year, which is, you know, best linebacker in college football. And while I didn't watch him at Iowa, he played well. As a freshman, he had only five tackles, but in his junior year, he had 140 tackles, two picks, a sack, and a touchdown. That's not bad. And then and... even last year, he had two picks a forced fumble a fumble recovery and he finished this season with 118 tackles which ranked second in the big 10 mm-hmm. 
And the Big Ten has a lot of tacklers in that division. Almost as much as the SEC. But and another thing I think about the modern NFL is if you're picking a linebacker in the middle of the first round, he better be damn special in today's NFL. Especially a Mike linebacker. If you're talking about a pass rushing linebacker, okay, we saw Will Anderson go third overall as a pass rushing linebacker or an edge. For a pure middle linebacker, you have to be special in today's NFL. And uh, I think Campbell has what it takes to be that, especially when you look at who his coaches are. Yeah, I mean, my hesitancy is over expectations as a rookie, but when you get drafted in the first round, you are expected to perform at a very high level right off the rip. That's what exactly. we expect from quarterbacks that get drafted in the first round that do start. What we're expecting from Bijan and all of the receivers. Now, Jackson Smith and Jigba being hurt, uh, that's different. Uh, Quentin Johnson, though, I think he'll see a lot of time. And then you also have to think about Jordan Addison. Who's the other person that you throw to outside of Justin Jefferson? Hawkinson? I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a very solid and very capable tight end. But as far as receivers go, you need a guy to take a little bit of pressure off of Justin Jefferson, as well as take advantage of all of the attention that he's going to have. Now, as far as Jack Campbell's concerned, I think he would be very happy to not have to deal with Travis Kelsey week one. But I know that if Kelsey is ready, I don't doubt that he's going to be up to the challenge because it's going to be a challenge. Kelsey oh, yeah. is special. I think Campbell will get a rep or two in there on Kelsey, but I think Kelsey's going to have the majority of the wins against the Rook. I mean, that's what I would expect. Uh, Kelsey is who he is for a reason, and that's why I look at him, like I said, he's the best tight end in football, and I don't think it's particularly close. And then you look at all time, you have multiple tight ends that have said, they think he's the greatest as far as receiving, as far as, you know, the amount of yards that he puts up. Mm -hmm. He's that dude. He's never had below 800 receiving yards in his entire NFL career for being a rookie all the way up till now. Yeah, and that's not easy. And if he does miss this game, that'd be his first game missed due to injury since 2013. He is a Iron Man as a tight end, and that is rare to see because we saw how Gronk's body responded to being a tight end. Now, Gronk was more of a dominant physical specimen, but Kelsey's not that far behind, and with that in mind, only missing one game, and how many, I, he, if I'm thinking right... Gronk probably missed, what, two seasons total because of injury when his when he was with the Patriots, if not a little more? Yeah, thereabouts. He, well, he missed a, yeah, he missed a lot of games. Gronk did. And I think that had he been available, they might have won a couple more games that, you know, they could have gotten eliminated in in the playoffs that he missed. But I wouldn't look at him, you know. The difference, I think, between Kelsey and Gronk is Kelsey is far more valuable since there just isn't another established target out there for Mahomes that he has on the roster. I mean, I guess you could look at Isaiah Pacheco, but we've seen that as far as receiving goes, he's definitely not, you know, a high-end guy. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ha has been proven to be uh, a potential bust. 
I wouldn't go as far as saying a bust with him because I think how it goes is just like you have the middle tier first round picks, you have disappointment and then bust. Then you have cases like Jamarcus or Ryan Leaf being like biggest bust in NFL history, arguably. I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire has suffered through some injuries and he's lost some of his burst because of it. I would say disappointment, not bust in his case. Because he has shown that he is a quality at running back, but I don't think he can be that running back. He's not going to be a Derrick Henry, where it's just like he's going to take all of the load and that's it. He is a good running back by committee type RB. Well, especially since I think I'm taller than him. <laughs> but uh, also with um, with the end of the preseason last, uh, last week, Alvin Kamara's suspension has also started and he's you know he's suspended for the first three games after you know his incident at a vegas nightclub where he beat a man within an inch of his life uh Mm -hmm. and the soonest that he can show up would be monday september 25th and they're missing aims against the titans the panthers and the packers now just real quick i want to get your thoughts on this because in my opinion I think the Saints can beat the Titans, uh, and I think they can beat the Panthers. Packers are interesting just because, again, we don't really know what Jordan Love is, but we know somewhat what Matt LaFleur's offense could be if it leans into the run, as it is similar to the Kyle Shanahan's uh, tree. Granted, Shanahan, I think, is on a different level, but that is something that I would be looking at as well, because... I think that as far as this goes, I think the Saints should be two and one heading into week four and getting Kamara back. But what do you think? I agree with you. I think that they're going to beat the Titans pretty soundly because they're one of the few defenses I would feel comfortable having going against a fully healthy Derrick Henry. And they have the cornerbacks to stop D-Hop and Traylon Burks. The only player on the Titans offense I'd be worried about would be Chigakonkwo. But you have um, Tyra Matthew there. And one of my personal, you have Pete Warner, a very underrated linebacker who I think is damn good in man and zone coverage. So I think he can take away Chig for most reps. So I think I have them beating the Titans. The Panthers, it's a, a brand new head coach. It's a brand new regime pretty much except for your except for your uh general manager and there's also the brian burns drama he might sit out a few weeks we'll have to wait and see on that one um bryce young i love the kid i don't like how that line played in the preseason so i think that the pass rush is gonna murder the little guy and he's gonna have rookie woes and he's gonna have his welcome to the nfl moment i think that week and the Packers, I think if, yeah, Packers are my team. I think the evolution of their defense, of their two first round picks, Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt coming from last year, coming in and playing, having a full offseason under their belt. And I think Devontae Campbell's Devontae Campbell. Jair's fully back healthy. He's going to be on Chris Olave probably most of the game. And... Rashawn Gary coming back. You have Lucas Van Ness as the number two there now. So you have a legit person there. And Preston Smith, we can't forget about him. But the Saints O-line still probably, in my opinion, the third or fourth best O-line in the NFC. So 
I think my Packers will come out on top, but it wouldn't shock me if the Saints win that game because Derek Carr is Derek Carr. He is a more mobile Jared Goff, but if you take away the structure from the pocket, he becomes panicky. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the thing. Uh, I trust Derek Carr a little bit, and that's why I sort of give them the edge with those three games because I don't really trust Ryan Tannehill. I more trust Derek Henry and Mike Vrabel, which is why I lean more towards the Saints in that game. Uh, I feel like Bryce Young, I did watch some of those preseason games, and there were times where I just thought, why do you still have him in the lineup why why is he still playing get him out of there because that panthers line probably couldn't block me and i'm out of shape (laughs) and as far as the packers go the reason why i could see the packers winning is because we don't really have a whole lot of tape on jordan love so they'd have to be looking at potentially three games ish and i look at that and i see that you'd have to probably delve back into some college tape. And because mm-hmm. of that, I like the fact that you have Aaron Jones there still. You do have AJ Dillon, who can be a bruiser. That O-line, if it is healthy, can definitely protect Jordan Love. And Christian Watson, if he can continue what we saw in the second half of last year, I really like how Jordan Love will have a bona fide number one receiver and then you have, you know, Romeo Dobbs, who is okay, but I think he will ha- actually have a chance to develop in his second year, now with a quarterback who, well, was there in the offseason to actually practice with him. And with the Romeo Dobbs situation, the thing that I find interesting is that when it comes to Watson and Dobbs, Love has actually connected and spent more time with Dobbs than Watson. So... I think that Dobbs is going to show up and be, like, one of the better, not the best. He's not going to be on T. Higgins' level of number two type receiver. I think that with his 6'4 frame being 200-205, he's going to show that he is a legit number two receiver. And you mentioned game tape. They have a lot of new weapons. Jaden Ree being your slot, Luke Musgrave being your new tight end. They also drafted another tight end in the third round. And I compared Luke Musgrave to a young, healthy Tyler Eifert. And when Eifert was fully healthy, shit, top five tight end, top six tight end in the league. <laughs> yeah, when he was healthy, the man had... Injuries he, upon injuries. He, he had very unlucky concussion injuries i mean which definitely it took a lot out of him because he definitely he he was able to find the end zone at a high rate and he Um, was damn good at reading zone oh absolutely i feel like as a tight end you have to be able to read zone because you are the biggest guy on the field and when there is voids in that zone you just got to sit down and quarterback will find you you're called the safety blanket for a reason. Yep. But now breaking down the AFC divisions, uh, we're going to go division by division and sort of just give our thoughts of of what we've thought. And you know, Jake, I've actually slept on... We're going to start with the AFC North. I actually slept on this a little bit. Um, and I was okay, what'd you sleep on? Oh, bed for sure. 
But while I was sleeping on my bed, I was thinking about who I actually thought would win this division because to me, I look at three of the four teams and I see division winners. I just we don't all know about know, the Cleveland I'm, Browns. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure we can both agree the Cleveland Browns is the one out of the four that we don't see doing much. Yeah, it's hard to trust uh, Deshaun coming back from what he came back from, especially because when he did come back, he looked rusty, but he looked bad, bad. And so mm -hmm. what I think with it is looking at, we'll start with the Browns. Uh, I do think they are going to be the last place team. Now, obviously, you have players like Miles Garrett. You have, you know, your stars on that team. You have Nick Chubb. Amari Cooper is fantastic. Njoku is a very nice tight end. And that O-line is solid. And even on defense, they're solid. But it just comes down to Deshaun Watson. And I'm, I'm going to have a bold prediction here. I think if Deshaun Watson stumbles through the first six, seven weeks. I know that the Browns could consider this their DEFCON situation, but we could see Dorian Thompson Robinson taking over. Now, obviously, you can't have a $230 million fully guaranteed backup, but if he does stumble out the gate, what, what do you have to lose by playing the young guy? And... Exactly. The bad news is, is they can't be in the Drake Mayor Caleb Williams sweepstakes because they lost their first round pick this year in the Deshaun Watson trade. So Texans control that right now. And uh, and I, I love Deshaun when he was a Texan until the whole contract situation, situ until the whole contract situation happened. And, and if the NFL owner for the Texans made it a total shit show because he would not have Deshaun be part of the head coaching case. And then he, beca then he became Deshaun Cosby. Uh, I yeah. really lost so much respect for that man that I think that it's kind of ironic. Steelers now have payback for the Browns giving Ben the leader of men crap because of all the allegations and now Steelers get their payback yeah and especially yeah that, that's a hairy situation that we definitely don't want to uh re you know we don't want to bring that back up but I I look at this team and again outside of you know they have strong players but without your quarterback you unless you have a 2002 bucks or 2000 ravens defense you ain't doing jack in the modern nfl even if you have the best running back in the league if you're running if your quarterback can't throw eh, you're one dimensional and being one dimensional in the nfl you're gonna get killed yeah so moving on from the browns I have my my division winner being the Steelers. What do you think about them? And do you think Kenny Pickett can take that leap to year two? Well, I look at Kenny Pickett and I look at him as a player who he's definitely a lower ceiling player. I don't look at him as, you know, a Mahomes, an Allen, a Herbert, a Trevor Lawrence. I don't look at him as a guy like that, but I look at him as a guy who can, he, he doesn't give up which is mm -hmm. he, he's very much a he, he's a gamer 
He's and a baller. I look at him as a guy who can keep you in games, and I don't think he's going to lose you games. Now, obviously, he's better than Daniel Jones, who is more of a game manager, don't lose the game, and just make your place here and there. But I think the bigger question is, I think Jalen Warren is going to be a bigger player after Najee last year, he definitely had a sophomore slump. He looked he looked rough. And I think you're going to see a more running back com by committee. You're going to have a one-two punch with Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. But I think the bigger thing to look at is Pickett to Pickens because mm -hmm. George Pickens has been getting all of the hype coming oh, out of easy. camp in this offseason. And it's rightly so. I mean, he is one of those guys that you look at him, 6'3", 200. You know, he's very young. He's only 22. And I think of him being the guy that you have to really, really look at as being the breakout player for this team. Because if the, he is able to connect with Pickett in the, you know, in what you're thinking, then I think they definitely can win this division, especially with another guy like Pat Fryermuth being able to be your outlet guy, your security blanket. And we can't forget about Deontay Johnson, who has been, who he, he had a down year last year, but he has been a very steady, consistent guy. And you could look at this as a 1-1-A with Pickens and Deontay Johnson and then Fryermuth being, I guess, your sort of third option, because let's be honest, I, I just am ignoring the fact that Allen Robinson is on this team. And then, <laughs> he's going to be your big slot, or he's going to be your outside receiver with Pickens, and Deontay is going to be your slot. I think, you regarding the Jalen Warren and Najee Harris, I think Harris is still going to get majority of touches, but I think Warren is going to eat into him at least a little bit. I think it's going to be a 60-40 split. They are both very dynamic at the point of catch in the receiving game. Warren's a little more shifty, while Najee's going to be more of your bruiser. But I think you're going to see a lot more coming out of a dual running back set in the pass game for safety outlets. And I actually have something I want your take on. I saw something today on Twitter from a report that kind of had, like, quarterback rankings and... The person who did the rankings listed Pickett as Josh Allen if he had okay tools. I think that is the most hyperbolic, just blasphemous thing I've ever heard when it comes to Josh Allen because you look at the measurables of Josh Allen and you look at Kenny Pickett. I mean, Kenny Pickett, he's 6'3", 220. He's not small, but Josh Allen is a monstrous human being but he you have to remember that, he is in that cam newton ben roethlisberger stage whereas kenny pickett like i said he's not a small guy he's not very slight but i look at that like that comparison but here's the thing you have to remember i said okay physical tools Allen is a alien at quarterback. You hadn't mentioned can, the physical. Oh, that's why. Sorry. That's why. When I said okay tools, I thought, you know, you would have gotten that, but I, I should have explained it better. I thought you were meaning the weapons because I'm no, 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 no. Say, huh? Like physical, 
it, he is Josh Allen if Josh Allen had okay physical tools. Okay. And I read that and I'm thinking, you know, I don't hate that comparison. Because they both can run. Allen being bigger is obviously going to be a much better runner. But Pickett can run. Hell, he made a he made the college football made a rule because of his fake slide. Yeah, and I've been seeing that slide more and more. I feel like the algorithm is listening to your Steelers love, and it's <laughs> rubbing off on me. And, but with the Steelers, their defense is going to be just fine. They have, in my opinion, I think a Hall of Famer in Cam Hayward, still Absolutely. playing at a high level. Keanu Benton, your second-round pick, is literally a mini or a younger Cam Hayward. Nate Herbig came out of nowhere in the preseason. You have Joy Porter Jr., who all that I've looked at is he looks like a legit good rookie corner. You have T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith coming off the edge. I'm not worried about their defense. The offense I have questions about, but... I think we're going to see a number one or number two in the division out of the Steelers. I have them as my divisional winner, but if they come out at number two, a, a game behind the Bengals, I could see it. I have them at number three, and it's not necessarily because of anything that they're doing. And I trust Mike Tomlin because he's never had a losing season. He's basically going to fall into nine and eight. And it's not so much the defense that I am worried about. I more look at this offense and I look at, the potential for injury mainly along the offensive line as that has been their issue now i think broderick jones definitely is massive i think that was their you know for a first round pick absolutely a must have they needed a left tackle and they got arguably the best one in the draft but i look at this team and again injury is my main thing that i worry about and it also makes me worry about who I have at number two in the division, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. I look at these Ravens and they are very much boomer bust because obviously Lamar is now very happy with his $260 million contract and he has weapons now. Gone are the days of trying to get Jeremy Macklin out of retirement and signing Deshaun Jackson. Hello, Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay. Oh yeah. And then there's this first-round rookie pick named Zay Flowers, who has been raved about. And I heard a thing about from, I believe it was Justina Anderson, where she was hearing comparisons about Zay Flowers of his short area quickness not being seen since the likes of Tyree Kill, which I think is massive because what I look at Zay Flowers as is we know he can run. I look at him as more of being able to also be shifty, being able to take, you know, a five yard route and take it the distance. And then you have Mark Andrews, who we, in this podcast, we love Mark Andrews. We love a consistent tight end who just always seems to find a way to get open and just make plays. And then I think as far as the offensive line goes, I think that obviously if they hold up, they're gonna be fantastic because Tyler Linderbaum last year was incredible. Zeitler's always been solid. And Ronnie Stanley, again, when healthy, he's a rock-solid left tackle. And, and you defense, are forgetting he is coming back from being... I think he's so far removed from his injuries and surgeries. I think he's going to come back and show people that most people have forgotten about Stanley being a stalwart left tackle. 
he's going to show him why he got that massive contract extension two years ago, and he's going to show that he is a top five, top six left tackle in the league again. Absolutely. And then, you know, you look at certain players that they added. I mean, I think a very underrated signing is their new corner, Gisin, who he spent time with the Raiders, spent time with the Colts. I think he's going to be at least somewhat of an upgrade over Marcus Peters, because while Marcus Peters could get you interceptions and potentially pick sixes, he was getting barbecued last year. And he, when you have a clue corner, he's very susceptible to double moves and he can get burnt. And so I think Rockison, who's a little bit more technical, I like that, you know, interchange. And Kyle Hamilton, he absolutely could take another step. Marcus Williams, rock solid. Now, the only thing that I fear about this team is injury. Because on offense, you look at their star players, Lamar, Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham, Devin DuVernay, Nelson Aguilar. Outside of Mark Andrews, they all have an injury history, which definitely gives me cause for pause. And that's why I can't pick them as the division winner. What are your thoughts? I agree with you, and that's why I have them going third in division. Lamar is Lamar. I think he's still going to be a damn good quarterback. He's a arguably top five. I have him as like a seventh or sixth best quarterback in the league. But with his rushing ability, anything is possible. He has a hell of an arm. He's put on some muscle and some weight in the offseason to be better proof from injury, which I think with his style and taking away his legs kind of has been a point of issue in the past. I think with him strengthening up his body, being able to take more punishment, only good things can come. Receiver core, they have depth. Finally, they have depth at the receiving core. The thing I'm worried about is if their O-line takes one major injury, they are fucked. They do not have a lot of depth along that O-line. They are star heavy, but they do not have depth. Quarterback? Okay. If Lamar gets injured for three to five games, I think we can see their backup come in and actually do stuff. But with everything else, I'm worried. And that's perfectly fair. And that's, again, why I had to put him at number two. Because if you could tell me that you'd have Lamar for all 17 games, then I would feel a lot more comfortable at taking him number one. But that's why it, we go to my number one now, which is the Cincinnati Bengals. Now... Obviously, Burrow potentially missing a game or two, that does worry me. It, it does. I can't pretend that it doesn't. But I look at this team and I look at, you know, Joe Mixon coming back on a pay cut. And then you still have Jamar Chase, T. Higgin, Tyler Boyd. And Irv Smith, I think, is an upgrade at tight end over what they had before. Now, I think a big upgrade is Orlando Brown, stealing him from the Chiefs. And this O-line, while it has had issues protecting Burrow in the past, last year they were okay. And I'm hoping that, you know, you could see a little bit more cohesion with this offensive line to protect Burrow. Now, it really comes down to Burrow being able to come back, not being hindered by this calf injury. But I think even if he misses... A, the opener i like this team still especially because on defense i think the biggest upgrade is the fact that eli apple is gone good <laughs> riddance you will not be missed by this team 
Oh, of course, you, Mr. Burnt Toast. Because you did more talking than anything else you have ever done in your career. Now, a big thing to look at is this D-line. DJ Reader, Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, and BJ Hill. He's solid, too. He is. This, this D-line, excuse me, is definitely D-line that you have to you have to account for because while they're not big names they can go get your quarterback and they can mm -hmm. get your quarterback with four and that's why chidobia wuzie he's back from injury nick scott solid safety and i like cam taylor Britt and even mike hilton you know coming over i think that he's going to be also a very sneaky addition i have them winning this division because I trust Burrow of the four quarterbacks in this division the most. What is your take on this? I agree. Burrow is the best quarterback in this division. I think he sees the field at a Manning-type level. And the thing that makes me drop him to number two in the division is, ironically, you brought it up, their secondary. Their cornerbacks, very good. I think they're an underrated part of this defense. Their pass rush... I think people that know football will know that this D-line is something you have to keep on the game plan. The thing that I'm worried about is their safeties. They lost both their starting free safety and their starting strong safety in the offseason. Von Bell was a really good in-the-box safety, and they lost arguably a top three or top two free safety in the league in Jesse Bates III. I think that you're going to see teams do a lot of running up the middle or do outside zone because Von Bell is no longer there. And you're going to see a lot of deep play action passes because without Bates, you're missing that center fielder in the back. It's pretty much if Seattle lost their Earl Thomas when they were the Legion of Boom. I'm not saying Bates is Thomas, but... It has that effect on this type of defense, losing that strong of a safety. I mean, that's fair, especially because, you know, those two safeties are very good. I like Von Bell a lot, and I think Jesse Bates was, in some instances, he was underrated because he was playing in Cincinnati. I think that, yes. I don't think they are going to be nothing. I don't think that loss is nothing, but I think because of the overall defense on its own, especially with, you know, your linebackers, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. I think that will help alleviate things a little bit because you have solid tacklers in that second level. Now, the biggest thing that scares me with the Bengals is just plain and simple that O-line because it seems like any stage, they just fall apart. Now, if Burrow... You know, if this calf injury is more than what they're letting on, now he's back at practice, I'm not as worried, but it definitely is something to keep an eye on, especially because of the fact that you do have to look at this, you know, you have to look at everything. And the O-line is going to be the Achilles heel if this team doesn't get it done. But ever the optimist I am, I think that they are going to be able to overcome that and I could see them being back in the AFC Championship for the third straight year. Oh, and I totally agree with you. I think as long as Burrow is your quarterback, 
Super Bowl or bust is pretty much what you're looking for towards the Bengals. And I think with Brown being there, being your left tackle, it's a major upgrade. I think you have a major upgrade moving your former left tackle to right tackle because he did play right tackle in college for one season. And I think that I, they are, it's like a 1A, 1B for me with the Steelers and the Bengals. I just like the Steelers' young talent just a tad bit more. And I think Tomlin is Tomlin. He's going to show people that he deserves to be talked about as one of the best head coaches in the league and in NFL history because of what he has done. People tend to forget, people know all about the losing, never having a losing season record, but people sleep on him because he hasn't had much success in the playoffs in the last three to five years. I think he's going to show people that he's not here to fuck around anymore. But enough with the AFC North. It's time to move on to the AFC East. The probably the strongest division in the AFC because you have the Bills, the Dolphins have a dynamic offense, underrated defense, Patriots, great defense, and underrated offense, and you have the winners of the offseason and the Jets. How do you feel about this division as a whole? Well, this this division as a whole. It is very tricky, and I've been... It has been kind of a game around, Robin, again with three of the four teams. Now, we'll start with my last place team, which I have the New England Patriots finishing fourth in the division, and it's strictly because of how strong this division is. Now, I think we'll see more of the Mac Jones from his rookie year than we saw last year, where you basically had a guy who isn't even qualified to work at a Starbucks at offensive coordinator in Matt Patricia. And now uh, that you have Bill O'Brien, it'll be even better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stealing Bill O'Brien from Nick Saban at Alabama. Bill O'Brien knows offense very well. And Mac Jones, I believe, was around him potentially when he was at Alabama. And so Ramondre Stevenson, I really, really like. I think we're going to see, we're going to see more running back by committee because of Ezekiel Elliott. But I think Ramondre is going to get the vast majority of the carries. But outside of that, you look at this wide receiving core and I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster, I don't hold too much stock in that. Devontae Parker, he was last in the NFL last year in separation. Kendrick Bourne, he was the odd man out in San Francisco, and he can perform, but I look at him as a three. And then you look at their tight ends, Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki. Gusecki, a nice acquisition, but Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki, they do leave a lot to be desired because they aren't necessarily star guys. Now, the only thing that I think will help this offense is a potentially decent O-line. It just really comes down to, can this team really gel? Because after what we saw last year, it's gonna be a little iffy. Now, defense, I don't have to worry about too, too much. I love Matthew Judon. I think he's gonna be a potential defensive player of the year candidate. Whether that's enough to carry this team past six wins, I highly doubt it. But I think also we'll see Christian Gonzalez, the rookie. He's going to play well for a rookie. But I think 
a big thing as well, Jake, that we also have to think about potentially, Jack Jones had his gun charges dropped in a plea deal. And exactly. It, he was reported to get up to a 30-year sentence. But now that the charges are dropped, you're getting one of the most electric return men and a really good number two cornerback back in that system. I think Gonzalez, their first round pick, is going to show that he has every right to be pissed that he fell that far in the draft and that of all corners, Emmanuel Forbes, Mr. Lightweight himself at 165 pounds, was drafted ahead of him. I think you're going to see Witherspoon be pissed and I think Belichick's going to see this kid and be like, Damn, how the hell did he fall to us? Witherspoon. <laughs> oh, Gonzalez, not Witherspoon. <laughs> Must be a callow on the brain. Yeah, but... It's called it's called a Sunny D Seltzer. Mmm, delicious. But I do have this team finishing fourth because if you look at this team compared to the other teams in this division, they're just outclassed <laughs> in every way. Outside oh, of maybe Matthew Judon. Or I guess if you want to, you know, the guy who I think is going to be playing special teams when I'm 50, Matthew Slater. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I think their defense is going to still be a top 10 unit. Their offense is going to get vastly improved, but I think they're going to be anywhere from 16 to 20 in combined. If I heard an argument about this. If, they, if the Patriots were in a NFC conference... They would be second or first in their division because of how strong they are. But they're in the AFC. So it's kind of like, eh, have fun. But move, and I, we could both agree they're fourth place. Yeah, they, it, this is just not even a question. I look at them as fourth place. Third, I think we could both agree on third place. I don't know, though, as the Jets. I think that... They're going to be vastly improved, but I think if Miami and the Bills can stay healthy, Jets are going to be number three in this division, I believe. Yeah, I look at them as, I have them as my third place team. We have heard so, so, so much about this team in the offseason. With hard knocks, with all of the reports coming out. Aaron Rodgers basically going to every New York event that you can think of. And now, granted, he has ingratiated himself, I think, very well with his younger players, especially, you know, Sauce Gardner inviting him. I think that is a big thing because you look at him as one of the young leaders on this defense. And so making oh, a connection with him is massive. But my questions for this team, it extends past Aaron Rodgers. And I look at Brees Hall coming back from that injury that's a tough ask that's why you signed dalvin cook and a lot of people think dalvin cook has a lot left in the tank i don't and I, i'm one of those people <laughs> i think he i don't think he has a lot left in the tank but i think he has a good amount left in the tank i think we're gonna see another two or three productive years out of cook before he really starts to hit that precipice i think that the biggest thing I worry about with the Jets, or Packers East, as I call them, is that they're O-line. They have a lot of good talent, but that talent has a hard time staying healthy. Their O-line is the biggest question, and I think it is what makes or 
what I believe breaks this team. But not only with this O-line where you have, you know, Dwayne Brown, who is probably, I mean, he is old enough to probably be playing with the Pharaohs. But you also have Mekhi Becton, who we hope can keep his weight down and stay healthy at least. And then Elijah Vera Tucker, he's also coming off of an injury. But I think the biggest thing that I look at is this wide receiving core. Now, obviously the O-line's a glaring issue, but I think with the wide receiving core, if Garrett Wilson goes down with an injury, you don't have a number one on this team. You have at best a number three in Alan Lazard. And you have me, Cole Hardman, but Andy Reid doesn't get rid of players with that kind of speed unless there's a reason. Randall Cobb, he, he old. Let's just put it this way, he old. And Tyler Conklin, eh. CJ Uzama, eh. It's a I, mid-tier tight end core. If you if you take Garrett Wilson out of the equation, they have a bunch of threes, and you could maybe argue a weaker number two in Lazard. I think that if you are right, if Wilson does go down, we are going to see run, 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 fake play action, run, run, run. Yeah. Now, Jake, I think you and I both can agree on this. This defense is definitely going to have to carry more of a load, (laughs) especially you look at, I mean, this defense, it's almost unfair with, I mean, let's just start with the corners. Sauce Gardner, I think he's the best corner in the National Football League. Now, obviously, you have guys like Pat Sertan, my guy in Seattle, Tariq Woolen, definitely guys who could contend and argue for that but no one's doing it like Sauce yet. At that first season, his rookie year, there's he won Defensive Rookie of the Year in almost a landslide going away. And there's and if I remember it, I think he actually had a couple, I think he had one or two votes for Defensive Player of the Year. I believe he did. And then DJ Reed, he's no slouch on the other side either. I like this cornerback tandem. And then I also like the safeties, Jordan Whitehead and Adrian Amos. Adrian Amos doesn't have a ton left in the tank, but he's no slouch. And then I look at this D-line as being the carry of this team. You have Al Woods, who you stole from my Seahawks. Solomon Thomas, former first-round pick. Quinton Williams, he's gotten paid now, so he's definitely going to be motivated now. And not to mention, you still have Jermaine Johnson, who was a rookie last year. He's also a first-rounder. You have your rookie this year, Will McDonald, also a first-rounder. And then you have that quarterback in the middle, C.J. Mosley, consistent as ever. I think this defense is going to be what carries this offense. Oh, agreed. You're talking about, I think they were a top six or top seven defense last year. I think another year under their belt and even more rotation on that D line, it's going to be a top three defense, I believe. Easily. Now, it depends on how much they're on the field. That's the thing I'm worried about. Yeah, that is the biggest concern. But even with a defense like this, I still have them at third just because I look at this offense and I just can't trust anyone else outside of Garrett Wilson. And if we see Aaron Rodgers like we did last year, it's going to be a long, long year in the Big Apple. But let's go to my second place team, the Buffalo Bills. I have them second, and it's mainly due to the fact of their wide receiving core in this instance. 
I look at the receivers and I see Stefan Diggs, who we know what he is, but we also heard all off season, all of the drama that was happening. And Sean McDermott, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, they can play it off all we want. Those reports didn't just come out of nowhere. Gabe Davis, he can be a very solid receiver, but the inconsistency is glaring. Now, I think what can help this team is definitely going to be their tight ends. Dawson Knox is solid, and then you got, I think, easily the best tight end in the draft this year in Dalton Kincaid. You traded up for him, and you knew that when you traded up for him, you knew that you were getting a dude. He is going to be, I think, a very very heavy contributor early on in this offense but the reason why i have him second out obviously stefan Diggs, he gets hurt that's what worries me but running back and o-line james cook is great but behind him you lose neam hines you know you lose him for the year latavius murray is a corpse walking and damian harris he's a bruiser but he's not even a great bruiser in my opinion. I think he's more of a two yards and not much else. Two and yards this, and a spot of gas. <laughs> exactly. And then this O-line, I trust two guys on this O-line, Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morse. Outside of that, good luck. What do you think, Jake? I have to agree with you. I think if they are going to be number one in the division, it's because... Allen stays healthy and you don't see any injuries and you see Miami fall because of injuries. I think it, the way I see it, Miami has the better roster on paper, but the bills have a better quarterback. That is how it's going to come down to being number one and number two in this division. Buffalo is the number two in my book as well, but if all goes according to plan, they, hell, they could be number one. They are, you have two Super Bowl style teams in this division, which is rare. Some people say the Jets, but I don't like their, their odds. The Bills, what worries me is their age on defense. They don't have a lot of young players, and I think they're really going to miss Terrell Edmonds being that massive enforcer and the sideline to sideline speed that he brings from that defense. And he really started to figure it out last year for them. Yeah, and I think what I look at now, though, is also, a, this is another team that I look at, the defense is more than likely, I think, going to carry this team. Greg Rousseau, very, very underrated player. Ed Oliver, he he's a monster in that middle. And you sign Leonard Floyd, which I think is a very good upgrade. Now... The biggest thing that it comes down to, though, is Von Miller's missing the first four games. That is your that is your leader on this defense. That is your big game hunter. That is your tone setter. You need him in order to have a chance at the Super Bowl. I think these first four games of him missing because he's coming off of that ACL injury, I think it's significant, especially because you have to play a division rival the jets in the first game now i love matt milano he's obviously a very consistent tackler 
he can make plays and coverage and you get Tredavious White back from injury and I think that'll be an upgrade but Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde they're great they're old they're no I think we'll chickens. see I think we'll see potentially DeMar Hamlin play a little bit this year at free safety and there's a chance I'm not gonna say it's a fact there's a chance he plays a little bit better than Micah Hyde simply because he's younger and uh, people if you want a free money bet just if if he plays one down of the NFL season this year comeback player of the year guaranteed I think the odds I last looked were like four to one so if you bet a thousand there's a four thousand dollar payout for that (laughs) yeah I think it's gonna be a pretty easy uh, bet but I think we're in agreement of our division winner, am I right, in the Miami Dolphins? Yes, but they're the ultimate boomer bust in this division because if people can't stay healthy, they're probably going to fall to third in the division. Absolutely. It really, This team comes down to one player and one player alone, Tua Tagovailoa. Tua, we've seen when he plays, last year when he played, he was 8-3 and three as a starter in games that he started and finished that's really good but the problem is is he only played 11 games and what you have to worry about with Tua is those concussions will they happen because if he does get a concussion he's going to be held out at least for four or five weeks because after the bad PR that Miami got last year as far as what happened to him getting two concussions, you cannot Maybe even three. risk that. Maybe even three. You cannot risk rushing him back. That's why you go out and get a guy like Mike White, who in reserve duty has shown well, he can play all right. I mean, he played with the Jets, and the Jets, it, he definitely didn't have that kind of supporting cast there. I mean, Mostert oh. is... A guy I like, but he comes down to injury like a lot of this team. But Jake, I mean, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, pretty much Cedric Wilson. Yeah, Cedric Wilson. I don't look at any better tandem though than Hill Waddle in the NFL. The only the only one I could see you could make an argument for, and a pretty damn good argument, would be Higgins and Chase. And Besides those, I really can't think of another one-two punch besides the ones the Bengals have that can compare it to the Dolphins' one-two punch. The biggest glaring weakness that I think is going to hurt this team is the tight end. Hunter Long being your starting tight end. Really don't like that. Long got traded for Jalen... Oh no, never mind. He got he was in the Ramsey trade, so... I bet on that one. No, it looks like their starting tight end is uh, Durham Smythe. Really good blocking tight end. I love him on that guard. On that regard, as a receiver. Eh, and then you have so Tyler much. Croft, who he's definitely he's not young, and he's got a total of 105 receptions. He was drafted in 2015. He hasn't been used very much. If I remember right, they do have an undrafted tight end from last year, but I think he's on their practice squad, and he's an athletic freak. 
but he's not even fourth on the depth chart, so I don't even see him making a case. But if pe- if people can stay healthy, you have a really good off. You have a top five offense, and I think we're gonna see Jalen Phillips be a double digit sack guy, and everybody's gonna see him as one of the better pass rushing linebackers. Chubb still Bradley Chubb being there with a now better defensive head or a defensive coordinator. Uh, what's their defensive court? Thank you, Fangio. Don't know why that name was escaping me. I think with Fangio, you're going to see this defense, if people can stay healthy, top, it's not out of the question of being a top 10 offense, a top 10 defense. Yeah, and I think Christian Wilkins, you absolutely need him to play well. I think Jalen Phillips, you are right. But they also have Andrew Van Ginkle, who can make a splash play here or there. And then... He is a Swiss Army knife at weak side linebacker. And then Bradley Chubb, he is coming back, I believe, often... Or no, sorry, I'm thinking of the other uh, Broncos player, Randy Gregory. But I look at Bradley Chubb, and he he can get back to a double-digit sack guy. Now, having... Losing Jalen Ramsey till December is going to be a big loss but you look at this secondary and Vic Fangio he is a coverage defensive coordinator he is not a very heavy blitz guy so I think you'll see Xavier Howard return to form now unfortunately Eli Apple's on this team which definitely makes things a little questionable because you have to wonder how many yards he'll give up but I think Javon Holland, who we saw last year, really came into his own. I think he will be able to bring that center field presence that you really, really need. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he's only 23. I mean, he's... And you're forgetting about one, two corners, actually. Kadir Coho, who was an undrafted free agent rookie from last year, played damn good last year as a as a nickel slash slot receiver or slot cornerback and their second round pick from this year in cam smith i think their starting three is going to be xavian and cam on the outside and kadir coho in your slot until jalen ramsey comes back if those three are your starting hell i'm okay with that at worst that's a mid-tier unit i mean you provided that Tua stays healthy, I think that this offense can hang with any team in this entire league, especially in this conference. And this defense, it's not going to wow you with names. That's going to be very, very solid. But uh, moving to the AFC South, and this is one of those divisions that you have a very established number one division winner. And then three question marks, in my opinion. What do you think? I agree. Jags are going to be your number one pick for being the division winner. You have two unknowns in the Texans, Colts, and Titans. Texans and Colts are for different reasons with rookie head coaches and rookie quarterbacks. I think the Texans, they're one of my dark horses to surprise people because I think having their new head coach and having freaking Easter be out of the freaking room is going to be a godsend for them. Pun intended, since he was their fucking team chaplain. Um, I think the Texans are going to be third in the division. I think Colts, 
I think Richardson is a damn good product and a good quarterback. I think he's going to play the full year and maybe push for rookie of the year because of his rushing, his rushing numbers. But I have Colts being the last because the Jonathan Taylor debacle. Stroud I like more as a day one starter than Richardson. And the Titans, if people can stay healthy, they're second in the division. But I don't like any plans of healthy and Titans in the same sentence. Well, I look at this division and just to start with the Texans, I look at this team as third in the division. CJ Stroud, I watched a couple of these preseason games and this offensive line looked bad, like really bad. CJ Stroud did not really have any chance of getting off throws and that's significant. I watched that Saints Dolphins preseason game. I was eating at I was eating at Red Robin out of town and they had it on in the bar and I was just looking at it and it was just the second he got a throw off, he was just getting mauled. And so and even before he got the pass off, he was mauled. But Damian Pierce, I think he's going to have a pretty good year following up what he had last year. And then Devin Singletary, I I look at him as an okay second running back. Nothing special, though. But, I mean, Nico Collins, Robert Woods, Noah Brown, John Mechie. I think John Mechie could definitely surprise people. And then Dalton Schultz, that was probably their biggest free agent acquisition, which I look at as solid. Do you but... mind if I chime in on that one? Go ahead. Dalton Schultz, in my opinion, is... One of the, if not the biggest, underrated free agent signings of this offseason. I think that he is a middle-tier blocker. He's he's not a Kittle, but he's not a Evan Ingram. He is a competent blocker with a linebacker or a safety. You don't put him on a defensive end like how Kittle would. He's competent in the, in the run game. He is a eh, top 12, top 10 tight end at in the receiving game. I think he, him and CJ Stroud are going to be really good friends. Well, he's going to need him because he's going to potentially be on his back more often than not in this in this season. I look at the old line and I like Laramie Tunzel, but this old line just is very shaky to me. And then you look at the defense, Denzel Perryman, you know, quarterbacking the entire thing. They brought over Jimmy Ward. D'Amico brought over one of his guys from the Niners. Jalen Petrie played well last year, and then you have a fantastic rookie prospect in Will Anderson. There's a reason they traded up to get him third overall, but I look at this team and I can only see third because you have a rookie head coach, you have a rookie quarterback, and there is so much new. This seems like a year that could potentially be a throwaway just because can you protect your quarterback i don't think so and i don't think this defense even with even if will anderson puts together a defensive rookie of the year performance can keep them in enough games and i agree with you on that i think will anderson is gonna be very good he in my opinion he is the favorite to win defensive rookie of the year because he's clear starter and He's going to have to show that he is what we think he is because of how much the Texans paid to move up and draft him. I Absolutely. think 
moving you are yeah, absolutely yeah, moving absolutely. on to the Colts. We both are in love with Anthony Richardson's prospects. Oh, absolutely. He is he has the highest of high of ceilings. He is Cam Newton body size with a Justin Herbert arm? Is that too much to say? No, no, I don't think so. He has a giant arm, and you look at the measurables. He was the man who won the combine because you look at him, he's a massive human being, 6'4", 244, 4'440". He's incredibly raw, though, but I think the biggest thing is him starting and potentially playing the entire year, I think is going to be massive because you look at this team, I'm actually going to surprise you here. I have them second in the division. And it's not just because of Anthony Richardson. Now, I think Jonathan Taylor being potentially potentially sitting out the entire year, I don't love that, especially because we've seen how the other running backs look, and they, I think I should probably suit up for them at this point. But, I mean, Michael Pittman, he's a solid receiver, but keep your eyes on Alec Pierce. 6'3", 210, heading into his second year. He now has a guy who can deliver the ball to him that isn't on his last legs like Matt Ryan. I look at Anthony Richardson making Alec Pierce a potential number one receiver. And then this O-line last year, absolutely underwhelmed. But I think you have Quentin Nelson, you have Ryan Kelly, those two in that interior they can put together they can absolutely lock up the interior left side of your o-line i think this offense is going to be a little bit better than we might think what do you and think? i agree with, i agree with you on that i think that their o-line now that they don't have a turnstile or a statue at quarterback because sorry i should have finished this a turnstile at right guard that is what got Matt Ryan killed last year, was because the right guard position gave up so much interior interior pass rush. And now that you have an athletic freak at quarterback, you don't have to have a top 10-0 line because you have a guy that can run mid 4-4. I think as long as you have a middle tier O line with how much of an athletic freak Richardson is, you easily can succeed in the NFL with that type of structure. Because you're going to have a lot of quarterback spies on Richardson, that is taking away either a safety or a linebacker in the pass game, and that's going to be massive for AR's development. Oh, for sure. And then this defense as well, I think Quiddy Pay, he's going to have a third year that we're going to enjoy because he can absolutely become one of those game-wrecking guys because he has the speed for it. He's still very young. He's 24 and this is heading into his third year he was a first round pick for a reason and DeForest Buckner he's still that dude he is still that interior presence that you need and then Shaq Leonard the last time we saw him he was killing it and at middle linebacker he can absolutely fly around the field tackle everything in sight but I look at this secondary and i look at it as this team's achilles heel but even still i like this team to finish second 
because of the upside that Anthony Richard has that he can also nurture through reps. And I think that this defense, I think this pass rush can step up just enough to make this secondary at least be able to be competent rather than what we've seen in the past, which is a little suspect. And I agree with you on that one. I think that with their Pete, with their core of defensive talent being more healthy and your offense coming back from a good amount of injury too, I think that they will be good. I understand why you have them a number two in the division, but until this Jonathan Taylor drama is fixed, is mixed and fixed, I can't, I can't put them in anything besides fourth. It's very fair because Jonathan Taylor, he is a key key player in this system he is your offensive catalyst Mm -hmm. and so but the only reason why i have him second is i hold out hope that there's a chance he could come back at some point in the season i think he will more than likely get traded before that but i just like the upside of anthony richardson enough that i will give him second but if we go to the titans I have them third, and this is more of an indictment on Ryan Tannehill, who is, he's old. He Mm -hmm. he came out in the same draft as Russell Wilson. He is heading into year 12. and And he has taken a lot of punishment and injury over his years. Oh, yeah. And Jake, you look at this team, you have Derrick Henry, but who else do you have really for offensive weapons? DeAndre Hopkins, he he was playing fantastic before he got hurt, but he is also getting up there in age. Traylon Burks, we hope will take a step forward mm-hmm. in year two, but I don't know for certain on that. And then Chigakonkwo. He's I mean, a he's a beast. He is their new Delaney Walker. 6'3", 240, and he was a fourth-round pick last year. Didn't get a lot of run, but he did have three touchdowns last year. I think that you'll see him absolutely more ingratiated into this offense because Ryan Tannehill starts the season, but depending on how this season goes, and because, you know, I have him at third, I would not be surprised to see either Malik Willis or rookie Will Levis play at some point this year. And they did draft O-line to help seal up their interior because Peter Skaronsky, they have him at left guard, but he can play pretty much anywhere on this line. But even still, Derrick Henry, I trust him, but that's the only thing I can trust on this offense. What do you think? I agree with you. The only things that I trust on this offense is Chickaquanko and Derrick Henry, but Henry is starting to have some chinks in his armor, and I still think he's a damn good back, but uh, I think people aren't talking enough about his injury he suffered last year. I mean, it's fair to worry about. I look at Derrick Henry... And you do look at last year. He did play in 16 games, though. Now, 2021, you did have to worry about because he did only play half the season. But even in that half a season, he was on pace to potentially hit 2,000 rushing yards again. 
Now, so, you, you do have that dead zone area where he has now had at two, actually, no, sorry, three 300 carry seasons. That is something to, you know, it is a cause for concern. I absolutely will admit that. But when I look at Derrick Henry, I look at it now as, and I think what the biggest thing to look at is, is the signing of DeAndre Hopkins. Because while I may not have a ton of faith in him, you do have to realize that he is going to open things up a little bit more for Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry will also open it up more for him because you will stack that box and make Ryan Tannehill beat you. And DeAndre Hopkins is going to have a lot of single safe, single high safety. And we know he likes to get up for those jump balls. Agreed. And I think having Hopkins there is going to be very beneficial for Traylon Burks' second season for development because you have one of the best receivers of his generation treating a guy who is very physical and more athletic than Hopkins was even in his prime. And I think they both play similar games when you look at their when Hopkins was his age and where Traylon is now. They played similar games and I think Hopkins is going to show Burks something really good. And then I look at this defense as well, and I think that Jeffrey Simmons, he's going to be able to perform like he always is. Dinico Autry is also very solid. This is a 3-4. I think the signing of Aziz Alshair, keep an eye on that. I think having a speed guy like that who you can have inside, but also blitz in the A-gap, that's going to be a big big contribution but it still comes down to the quarterback and because Ryan Tannehill we saw what he was last year he didn't look great I look at this team and I have to play some third uh, agreed I understand that and the Jags are the Jags is number one for both of us I think they're gonna easily go away with this division you have in your in your picks, the MVP of the league in Trevor Lawrence coming into his third season. And first half of last year, he looked close to a bust. Then he turned it around the second half and showed why he was considered a generational prospect. You have Travis Etienne going into his third year and Tanks Bigby coming in. They're going to split carries and it's going to be a, a damn good one-two punch. I like Evan Ingram in the system for another year. Calvin Ridley, you're getting that legit number one. You can have Zay Jones as your number three. And what was the Cardinal receiver they picked up two in two years in the offseason? Christian Kirk, right? Yes. Yeah, and Christian Kirk showed very good results as a impromptu number one last year. I think him being a number two is going to help him and help that offense as a whole. I think their defense is going to be just fine. I could see Josh Allen showing us a potential dark horse defensive player of the year type campaign. I think he's easily going to be double digits. I like their O-line, especially with Anton Harrison, their first round pick. I think their linebacking core is really going to develop with Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma coming into their second year. 
they have one of my favorite players in the league and Andrew Wingard. Not a not a dominant player, but just a damn good guy you can root for. Yeah. There's not much to say about the Jaguars. I look at you're right, Trevor Lawrence. I have him as a potential MVP candidate because he now has that bona fide number one receiver in Calvin Ridley, who we have to remember was not hurt. He stepped away for his mental health, which absolutely respect. And then he did get suspended for gambling, but he wasn't hurt, so he could still practice at home. He could still run drills at home. He could still practice what he needed to practice. And so I think we're going to see potentially a 1,300, 1,400-yard campaign from Calvin Ridley. I think Kirk as a two is incredible. A lot of people looked at that as a absolute overspend at 18 mil a year he showed last year why he earned that money like you said evan ingram being able to have another year in this system he still has that speed he still has that ability to get deep i like that and then when i look at this defense i look at a team who can absolutely improve on what they had in the back half of last season now, granted, they did give up 27 unanswered points in the playoffs, which you absolutely cannot have. But even still, they did find a way to come back and win. And so I think that is a massive, massive confidence booster that they took with them into the offseason. And I think that they can come out firing. Absolutely, this is the division winner. And I have them as a potential number one seed team. But now, Jay I, I'm going to pump the brakes on that one. I love the Jags and their prospects, but I don't see them as a Super Bowl contender yet. I think next year is when they're going to push for that type of number one potential type seat and be a Super Bowl contender. This year, I have them losing in the divisional. If they make it past the divisional... I don't think they have this, the power to make it past, like, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and Bills, and Bengals. Those are the top four in the conference. I don't see them having the manpower getting past those four. Uh, I see why you are so high on them. But I have to have some reservations on them. Because, like I said before, I don't think they have the power to keep up with those guys. It's fair, but I like... I have this optimism with them because their schedule's weak. They really don't play anyone. And so that's why I look at them as a potential number one seed candidate because everyone else in the divisions, they have hard, hard division. But now we move into the final division of the AFC, the West. And this is one of those divisions where we are probably going to be split on but I think we can get the division winner out of the way. The Chiefs. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Mahomes is Mahomes. He's fantastic. We all know this. They won the Super Bowl for a reason. You got rid of the most dangerous man with the football in his hands in Tyree Kill, and they still won the Super Bowl. I think that really there's not much else you could say about this team. The only thing you really have to worry about, as we talked about earlier, is the opener. You lose Travis Kelsey, that could be something to worry about. But this O-line, it's very solid. Running back, they do it by committee. Receivers, they're not very deep, but 
I think when it comes down to Mahomes, he's just going to do what he does. And then on defense, they have to get Chris Jones back. I don't see them as a Super Bowl team without Chris Jones because he is your Mahomes on defense. But I think even without him, if he does miss most of the season, I still have him winning the division. It's just hard to bet against him right now. And I agree. They Until the wheels fall off of Mahomes or Andy Reid retires, I think you can't make him anything else but the, the division winner for the AFC West. Now, the number two in this is the Chargers. I think that if everybody stays healthy and they don't charge or, or as what I've heard, chargering themselves, I think they could push Kansas City for the number one. But the Chargers always have key injuries somewhere, whether it be quarterback, receiver, left tackle, star pass rusher, Derwin James or JC Jackson, for God's sake. There, somebody's going to get injured on this, and it's going to make them lose a game or two along the way. That's why I have them as my number two. They're a damn good team. I love Herbert. I love Eckler. Their receiving core is nuts. And I think bringing over, well, getting rid of Michael Lombardi, in just regard getting anybody else is an upgrade. But getting Kellen Moore is the biggest coordinator upgrade in the entirety of the NFL from this offseason. I think Herbert's going to look fantastic. MVP? Not out of question. Absolutely not. You can't rule out MVP for Justin Herbert. This offense is going to be reaching new heights. You now have an offensive coordinator who isn't as conservative, who's willing to open things up, take deep shots, get a little creative. And I think Herbert is definitely going to benefit from that. He had more passes to the running back last year than anyone else in the league. Austin Eckler, he was the leading receiver, if I remember right, on this team as far as catches goes. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, you always have to play the injury card with them because one or both could be missing. I think that thrusts Quinton Johnston into this team a little bit more, and I think that's why he was drafted because after they go down, you don't really have anyone outside of Joshua Palmer, Gerald Everett, I like as a solid tight end. He can block, and he is a solid receiving threat. Rashawn Slater being back is huge. You need to have Rashawn Slater there to protect Herbert's blind side because this, this division and hell, this conference has pass rushers galore. You need to have a guy being able to protect your back, and Rashawn Slater, he is rock solid. And Agreed. I think Lindsley at center, there's a reason why your Packers wanted to keep him. And when he got, when he came here, he showed why he was worth that contract they paid him. And I'm I think. I'm still ticked to this day because it was pretty much between Aaron Jones and Corey Lindsley. Yep, I love Aaron Jones, <laughs> but I would have picked the center. But Jake, you look at this defense as well, and it's almost. It's almost criminal to look at this defense and not just go, they have that guy and that guy? Like, when did Khalil they, Mack get there? When did they have Edward Kendricks get there? So this defense, I have a nickname for it. It is the star-studded defense. Because every position 
on that defense pretty much has a guy that almost everybody in the league knows. Absolutely. You and emphasis on stud because Joey Bosa, even with injury problems, when he's on the field, you have to account for him. He's he's unblockable. Eric Top Kendricks, five edge. Eric Kendricks, he's gonna tackle everything in sight, and he is sideline to sideline. He can cover backs out of the backfield. Khalil Mack, you cannot overstate what this man can do when he is healthy because he there is a reason he was voted first team all pro at two different positions yep and first this, to ever do it and this secondary again you have to worry about injuries but jc jackson he got a contract for a reason derwin James, oh yeah he's an athletic freak and i love asante samuel jr he had three picks in that game and he is a huge reason why this chiefs team or excuse me chargers team was able to get a 27 nothing lead on those jacksonville jaguars before they ended up charging it up and uh choking an easy easy game but i have the chargers i can't believe i'm saying it i have them at two but jake this is a team that you and i i think differ quite a bit on the denver broncos so I know you love the Broncos, and I think you have a higher opinion of Sean Payton being able to revive Russ. I think Payton's going to do really good things with Russell Wilson and really good things for this offense. Do I think that they're going to be a playoff team? Probably not. I could think the AFC has too many murderer has too many good teams, and it is the murderer's row of conferences between the NFC and the AFC. I like the Broncos. I love their defense. And Pastor Tan, I, I have as my best cornerback in the league. I think with, I know you said Sauce Gardner was your number one. I have to see at least one more year out of him. My thing is, one year, you did fantastic. It was your rookie year, great. I at least need to see two years of production before I claim somebody the best in the league. But, I understand why you have him at number one. But Sertan is my number one. I think their defense is going to be totally fine. Payton's going to do great for that offense. But I think with how many injuries they have already sustained, and it's not even week one, I think that they are going to suffer because of it. If they didn't have any injuries, taking the Chargers on, I could see him pushing the number two. But I have him as my number three. What do you have him at, and what do you think? I do have them at number three try as i would love to be able to put them at number two this more comes down to less about russ and more about this wide receiving core tim patrick achilles injury he is now out for back-to-back -back years you then lose kj hamler he had a heart issue i believe or i believe it was a heart issue he had he's gone jerry you judy, are right it was a heart issue thank you jerry judy he's also hurt and I look at this, I look at this, and Judy's likely out several weeks. So that leaves you then with Cortland Sutton and Marvin Mims. And I think Marvin Mims can perform very well as a rookie because he's going to be thrust into that situation. He's going to have to perform well. But when I look at Russ, I think that it's hard to have 
10 good years and then take the one bad year that he had and say that's what he is. Because when he actually runs around, and last year he seemed very, very reluctant to run, Sean Payton has said that he's going to get Russ back to playing basketball on grass, moving around. He's going to play, as I would like to say, in a state of structured improvisation where he has a play, but he's going to have an ability that if that play isn't there, go make a play. I think also you're going to have a running back by committee three headed monster. Leo McLaughlin in the preseason looked very good. Samaj P. Ryan, fantastic receiving back. And you can ease Javante Williams back in who had a nasty injury. And then you also have to remember Garrett Bowles, their left tackle. He was also injured. Having him back, if he can get back to form, you sign Mike McGlinchey, you sign Ben Powers. This O-line should be much more improved. And then on defense, this defense kept them in games last year. And they mainly kept about the same guys. Like you said, Pat Sertan is your number one corner. I have him as my second best corner, but it's not by much. He's an absolute stud. He's your perfect lockdown corner. Frank Clark, I think that's a good signing. I think he still has a little bit left in the tank. And Randy Gregory also coming back off an injury. He got a contract with these Broncos for a reason. I think this team, they have a potential to get to second in the division, but at this moment in time, I cannot put them higher than third because of these injuries and the uncertainty at the wide receiver position. Another thing that with one of our favorite players in the league, uh, they traded Albert O to the Eagles. So they just lost their second tight end and he you could put him out as as a as a receiver because of his size and speed losing that i think is going to hurt them even more with their injuries potentially but potentially but yeah potentially but you are right their defense is gonna hold up i think their offense if they didn't have the receiver injuries i think that they could push for second in the division but with their injuries i don't see it happening and now on to everybody's favorite chucky enthusiast being the Raiders. Everyone's favorite tire fire. <laughs> yeah. Gamble how much they're going to lose. And then I, well, first of all, I heard a new nickname for Jimmy Garoppolo that I had never heard. I was, uh, I was listening to First Take, you know, fantastic show in the morning. And I heard that Jimmy Garoppolo, according to Stephen A. Smith, his nickname is Porn Star Jimmy. Well, and I have seen pictures of him wrong. with strippers and he is in Vegas. And I gotta understand not, why. Yeah, and it's not wrong. He has also been known to try and date some, uh, you know, adult stars. But regardless, I look at this team. It, it's an easy fourth place. Jimmy Garoppolo, he he gets hurt more than any other player. Aiden O'Connell, I think you will see him play very early on if Jimmy gets hurt. I know Josh McDaniels is going to try and play Brian Hoyer, but... Brian Hoyer, we've seen what he is. He's he, he's a career backup. Josh Jacobs getting him back in, I think is massive because he led the league in rushing last year. He is what can make your offense go. And Devontae Adams, he's gonna he's unhappy. I'm not gonna say that it's out of the possibility. He gets traded during the deadline. Obviously they need him, but 
if he is not able to get targets and Jimmy Garoppolo does get hurt, I could see these Raiders being sellers at the trade deadline and trying to get into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Now, Jacoby Myers, he is a very nice receiver. I think, you know, bringing him over from the Patriots, that's nice. And then Hunter Renfro, he's a very good slot guy. You have the rookie Michael Mayer who can absolutely make plays. And this O-line isn't necessarily bad, but I just look at this team and all I can see is just injury to the quarterback position, derailing any hope of this team having any chance of finishing any higher than fourth. Oh, I agree. Now, I, they do have some star power. In my opinion, they still have the best receiver in the league in Devontae Adams. No question. I think Michael Mayer, their second-round tight end, is going to show people why he was regarded as potentially the best tight end in the draft. And I like their pass rushing duo with Crosby and Jones, but Jones did not play good last year. Like he did not play like the Chandler that we know from the Patriots and the Cardinals. I would not be shocked if Tyree Wilson overtakes Chandler for that opposite pass rushing side with Max Crosby and I love Wilson. He has shown quite a few wow plays during the preseason. Jacobs is Jacobs. He led the league in rushing, like you said. He's going to be phenomenal for Jimmy G or Aiden O'Connell because Aiden is a really good play-action quarterback, just like Jimmy G is. I think you're going to see Mayer be a really good tight end for both of them because they both love their tight ends. Devontae is Devontae. My, Jacoby Myers, I love that signing for them he is really good and he gets involved in the run game and you have mr slot machine himself and oh god i remember his nickname just not his hunter renfro yeah there. you have renfro and i think you have a really good four or five headed monster with running back at your tight end your three starting receivers o-line it's a middle tier unit colton miller i really like I really don't like the Alex Leatherwood di didn't pan out because I kind of liked him, but I had him more as guard than tackle coming out. But their defense, I think they're going to be okay. Their offense, you're probably looking at like a offense that's going to be between 18 and 24 and a defense that's going to be between 16 and 20. Yeah, this and this defense, you bring them up. Max Crosby, he's He's always an option for a, uh, you know, defensive player of the year, or he can be solid. Marcus Peters coming to this team, they needed, they needed DB helps bad. Their defense has obviously just been bad always. And then, but as far as the secondary goes, but I think you see a team that if Jimmy G can stay healthy, they could maybe put up some points, but this defense, it's basically a sieve. Mm -hmm. But... I think they're going to be a middle-tier team. They're probably... I don't think they're going to be bad enough to be a Caleb Williams sweepstakes. I think they're going to get a 10-12 to 12 pick. But it, you are right. It wouldn't shock me if they do try to be trade or sellers at the deadline. I could see that, depending on how the first half of the season goes for them. But to round things... Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. But to round things out, as far as division winners go, I have the Chiefs, the Jaguars, the Bengals, and the Dolphins. Jake, I believe you and I are only differing on the AFC North. You have the Steelers, and I have the Bengals. Yes, we are three for four on agreeing with our agreed division winners. And I think we can both understand why we have our picks 
for the Steelers and the Bengals. And I think at that point, at the end of the day, we're pretty much in agreement with how the season's going to turn out as long as no major injuries happen. Honestly, I think that the AFC is going to be Murderer's Row. And they're going to show, again, why they are the better of the two conferences. All right. And then, Jake, to round round out this podcast, to round out the first episode of Run Past the Brain Cell, who are your wildcard teams in the AFC? The AFC, my wildcard teams are going to be the Texans, the Steelers, the... The Steelers? I thought you had their winning the division. Yeah, but not a lot of people have them even making the playoffs. They are, a lot of people have them pegged as the third in the division. Well, no, I'm more confused because if you have them winning the division, they can't be a wild card team. You're three wild card teams. Oh, I thought you meant like a dark horse type of wild card. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so my wild card teams are going to be the Chargers, the Ravens, and the Bengals. Okay. And for my wild card teams, I'm going to have the Broncos, the Ravens, and the Bills. I think that the Broncos can sneak their way in. I think the Bills lose a close one to Miami. And then I think the Ravens are just able to edge out the Steelers. Not by much, but just probably by about a half game. I think it comes down to a tiebreaker. So, uh, okay. I forgot about the Bills. I don't know how I did. Swap the Chargers out for the Bills. That's fair. That's fair. So yours are the Bills, the Bengals, and the who again? Bills, Bengals, and Ravens. Okay, so you have two coming from the AFC North, which I, whereas I have one from the West, the North, and the East. Any closing thoughts? Jake, as we head into uh, the kickoff of the season here in just two short days. Chiefs are Chiefs, Super Bowl bound again, or at least conference bound. All right, and my final thoughts are uh, (laughs) take the Lions and the points because you should be able to, I think the Lions are going to be able to hold this game close. But uh, that's going to be it for the first episode of Run Past the Brain Cell. You can check us out on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, Make sure to subscribe. We're going to be trying to put out videos about once a week, or excuse me, audio podcasts about once a week. Um, But for Jake Miller, I'm Adam Skirko. We'll see you next time.